Are you familiar with this? <laughs> I am familiar with it. You know, here's the thing. I am all too familiar with it uh, at this point. Um, to the point of going, really? Hello and welcome to episode 185 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. It's Saturday the 30th September. Does anybody know where this year is going? And I hope you've had a great week, you're well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm no rockstar, but with this podcast, I share the marketing street knowledge I've picked up on my journey from sysadmin to CMO with the help of some true rockstars. My guests and chums, who I hope will inspire the marketing rockstar in you. Come say hello. You can find us at rockstarcmo.com or on the socials. We are Rockstar CMO on X and LinkedIn. This week, I'm delighted to share with you a very special episode for me, as I believe this will be the first podcast to dive into my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose's latest book, Content Marketing Strategy, Harness the Power of Your Brand Voice, which was launched this week at Content Marketing World. No gimmicks, no gin, no bar, just me and Robert chatting about it. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. If you're a regular listener, you know Robert is a regular on the show. But in the interview, I let Robert introduce himself. For those of you who maybe are new to the show or maybe wonder who this dude is that I drink a gin and tonic with every week. But before we start, I thought I'd share a bit about how I know Robert, which hopefully will give this conversation some context. I've known of Robert Rose for a long time. We played in the same content management sandpit almost two decades ago when he was a CMO at cloud-based CMS Crown Peak before cloud was cool. While I worked at various competitors before I became an analyst and we started finding ourselves at a lot of the same events. I paid attention to his work with the Content Marketing Institute and when I went back into bat with a senior leadership position with a vendor after my brief spell as an analyst, I brought him in to work with me and my team. And inspired by the work he and Joe Polizzi were doing and his first book, Managing Content Marketing, in 2011, supported by a progressive CMO at the time, Grant Johnson, who I often refer to on the show, I decided to add content marketing to my marketing tool belt, forming a dedicated team. And when I left that vendor... I successfully created a content marketing practice within a North American agency while I was living and working in Washington, D.C., which, by the way, is why I have incredible FOMO this week as Content Marketing World is in D.C., moved from its usual Cleveland. Great memories of that city. I'd love to have been at that event. Anyway, inspired by working with Robert, I took my marketing education seriously back then. He recommended five great books, which I still have and recommend to anybody which has spawned a library of marketing books. I don't mean to make this sound about me, just wanted to share a little bit about the impact Robert's work has had and why it's such a thrill to regularly hang out with this dude, even virtually. 
I should also give a hat tip, especially while we're talking about marketing books, to Douglas Burdett, who does this kind of thing so well with his marketing book podcast. I refer to his show a few times in our conversation, and I'll include a link to his podcast in the show notes. Go check it out and hear how this should be done. Right, as Douglas says, let's get on with the show. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Good evening, Robert. How are you, my friend? I am doing very well. Thank you for having me on this very special. It's like a it's like a blossom episode, really. It's a that's going to go over the heads of most of the <laughs> British out there. But uh, there used there was a TV show in the eighties uh, mm-hmm. here in the U.S. called Blossom. Yes, which uh, which funny enough and ironically enough starred me and Bialik who, uh, of course, was in The Big Bang Theory. Yes. Um, and would, a series that you might be familiar with. Very. Um, and, she, and, and so just about every third or fourth episode of that show would be some sort of tragic, sort of emotional roller coaster that they would take you on. You know, somebody's getting divorced. Somebody died. Somebody had a car crash. Somebody, you know, it's a comedy. Yeah. But then it, it, but, they, but they would preface every one of those episodes with, and now a very special episode of Blossom. And so it became a bit of a meme here in the US. And so this is our very special episode of your podcast. <laughs> That's so nice. But it's not tragic. I don't think it's tragic. I, I don't, don't think, think it's tragic. It's tragic. I don't know. I'll get onto the topic of this week. It might it? be tragic for some of the <laughs> listeners, but we'll see. Well, well I'm, I'm super impressed with you there, mate, because as you know, I, because we normally have our standard way of of talking to each other every week, which is the premise of being in a bar. And I have my standard script that I do and we've been doing it for years and we had to deviate. And I'm like, what am I going to say? And you totally saved my ass just then. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's what I do, buddy. It's what I do. I've been doing that with Joe Polizzi for the last uh, 12 years. Good so I've got you, good practice doing it. You've been it. carrying that man on your shoulders for all That's of that That's right. hundred <laughs> percent. Thank you for noticing. Yes. Well, speaking of Joe, you've um, there was a time when you wrote books with him, but I, um, I have been. If you're going to ask me what my week's been like, I've been reading this book. It's called Content Marketing Strategy: Harness the Power of Your Brand's Voice, and it's by this chap called Robert Rose. Are you familiar with this? I am familiar <laughs> with. You know, here's the thing: I am all too familiar with it uh, at this point, um, to the point of going, really? I mean, <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, you know, but yes, yes. Thank you very much for noticing, and thank you very much for reading it, and thank you very yeah. much for talking about it. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a labor of love for the last uh, eighteen months, and yeah. so uh, all good. I loved how um, I almost got a preview copy because I'm in the UK, and your publisher is in the UK. You uh, did get a preview it, copy. I got it like two weeks before anybody else. I was amazed, and then um, it's actually, that's right. When we when we we're recording, it's not even available as we record this. It's not available here in the U.S. yet. I know, and yeah, I've got this lovely copy, and I heard and I heard you and Joe talking about it on your show, this old marketing, and you were talking about the color of the cover and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, I totally know. (laughs) I've got it. Yeah. Um. So um, delighted with that. So and 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 fortunately for me, because I've had it for a while, I've been able to read. Almost all of it. I'm up to the last bit, and I'm going to ask you about some of that last bit when I get there. But um, it's, okay. it's a fantastic read, and I I very much enjoy your voice in the book. I, I like how that comes across, and I know that oh, we're chums, you. and I talk to you quite often. But that 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 
you, you, you can hear you in it. Do you know what I mean? It's really good. Um, and, um, and you don't spend, I'm, I'm reading another book that spent, I don't know, the first three chapters telling me how to read the book. So that it's nice that you didn't do that. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's a, it's a fabulous read. So, um, I want to start with, well, a little bit of an intro of you because we're doing a special episode. I don't know if people are listening to this podcast for the first time. So Robert, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> well, uh, for your listeners who don't know who I am, so I, I have spent the last 10 years uh, doing two things, mm-hmm. which is, one, working with my friend uh, Joe Polizzi on yeah. building this little organization called the Content Marketing Institute, where I served as chief strategy officer. Prior to that, I was the CMO of a software company for about uh, eight years, mm-hmm. um, and had built unintentionally, uh, and well, I intentionally built it, but it was unintentionally um, uh, turned out to be a content marketing organization and a content mm-hmm. marketing strategy. And that's when I met this guy because I was like, what the hell did we just do? Yeah. And I ended up meeting this guy, Joe Polizzi, who was talking about this new idea uh, and then stalked him and, and tracked him down. And he and I became friends. And ultimately, I joined his uh man merry band of of of, mm. of of villains as it were and we started content marketing institute and grew that and in the meantime which is the second part of my job which has been to consult and train and work with brands all over mm. the world to talk about content strategy content marketing and basically the effective use of content in business to drive an overall uh, marketing strategy and have really been doing that since the very beginning uh, of my of my yeah. career, which now is coming up on thirty years old as a as a marketer. And yeah. uh, and I started all the way back in the nineteen nineties um, in uh, in television. I actually started uh, in in the television business. And so I come to content honestly, um, yes. but uh, and I come to marketing by hook and by crook. So um, <laughs> and now I'm just. Uh, and now what we're doing is doing a lot of coaching, a lot of consulting, and a lot of um, a lot of work in the content space. Yeah, no, it's, and it's been a pleasure. And, and um, I met you through, uh, well, we met each other through the content marketing and content management business because we were both a different That's sides right. of the aisle on, on that particular, in that particular thing. We meet at a lot of same conferences. But also when you switched over to doing content marketing, I uh, I brought you in and you did a you did a couple of workshops with my team and and various things together back when you published your first book which I'm going to make a reference to uh, later on the when you published managing content marketing which I have in my hand I don't do it on video but I still refer to it but now I have a new book to refer to so and we'll get on to that so um, nice where should we start with this I think that you have told me, and I believe that you may have even written it in the book, and you certainly said it today on your podcast, is that you had no intention of writing another content marketing book. What inspired you to do this? Yeah, it's like, does the world need another book on content marketing? And and the answer to that is probably no. Yeah. Um, so what on earth would 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 motivate me to do such a thing? Well, I, you know, and the thing is, and I do mention this in the book, is that so much of what has been written uh, about content marketing, both by me, by others, et cetera, have focused rightfully so on, uh, I don't, you know, it's not a, this is not a, a, a derogatory comment at all, um, have focused on the first two words, right? They've mm-hmm. either focused on content, mm-hmm. basically 
how to create better content, how to do storytelling, how to create engaging content, you know, and yeah. Handley teaches everybody how to write better. Yeah. Um, all those kinds of things. Or they focused in, in on marketing, right? How to optimize your customer's journey, how to do SEO better, how to do, uh, you know, basically optimize your, your marketing process mm -hmm. using content better. And very few, if any, of the books have really focused on that third word, strategy. And so I leaned in, and it's really what I've noticed in terms of uh, what's been going on in the market over the last 10 years, this is why this is such a labor of love for me, mm. is there are two kinds of companies out there. There are the what I call the conscious content marketers, which are really everybody that we think of when we you know we look at sort of the examples that get used in conferences you know the red bulls and the yeah. cleveland clinics and the reis and the you know those kinds of companies who have consciously decided to use content marketing thought leadership entertaining content they've read the books they've come to the conferences they've won the awards <laughs> and they are making success mm. but just as equally are the what i call the unconscious content marketers and those are the companies the Amazons, the J.P. Morgan Chase, the Legos, um, the you know uh, Nikes—they're out there creating and operating as a media company and uh, and optimizing their business strategy using content marketing. But they're not—they're not reading our books. They're not—you know—they're not learning from us. They're not consciously creating a what they would call a content. And many of them have been asked, by the way. Mm -hmm. And so, my question that I wanted to come to the book with was pretty simple. It's like, what do those companies have in common, right? The unconscious and the conscious. And the conclusion I came to was, it was as Michael Porter, the famous Harvard mm -hmm. business professor would define it, a set of activities, right? He defines competitive strategy as a set of activities that fit together that are either different than your competitors or that are performed differently, the same activities performed mm -hmm. differently. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's what consists of a strategy, so I wanted to write about content marketing strategy. What are the activities that these conscious and unconscious companies were doing that are actually creating a competitive advantage using content marketing as a source of that, of that advantage? And that's ultimately, I said, yeah, that's, that's a book I want to read and it's an answer I want to get. So yeah. that was the impetus for saying this is a book worth writing. Yeah, no, and I think it's great that you got that you got inspired for that. And it really is a book about strategy. I mean, that's that's. I mean, it's. It, I'm gonna um, skipping ahead a little bit here because I was gonna refer to this because you don't talk about storytelling that easy bit, the bit that you see, read a lot of books about until chapter seven. Um, it really is about strategy. Um, but I'm curious before we get really diving into the book, I'm curious about the process because you're a really busy guy and I t I'm very fortunate I get to talk to you on the podcast once a week. Um, so I know a little bit about your schedule, but how do you find the time to write? What is your process for the, for, for those of us that have got, a, we think we've got a book inside us. How do we get it out? <laughs> you know, it's obviously there's a time commitment, right? Mm -hmm. And the way that I work uh, whenever I'm going to write a book is I just plan on giving up my weekends mm -hmm. um, for a particular set of time, right? And for me, it was really from September of last year. Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost coming up on exactly uh, a, a year now. Um, from September of last year, because that's when I was approached. I was approached at the end of August 
uh, from the publisher mm-hmm. asking if I would write this book. Well, to be clear, they asked if I would they asked if I would write a book, and they said <laughs> if you could write a book, what what would it be about? And I and it was very much a yeah. uh, a synchronicity in my yeah. life because I had been thinking about exactly what I just talked about for the last two minutes. Yeah. Um, and so I said, well, this is the book I'd like to write. And they said, that's fantastic because that's the book we'd like to publish. And I said, well, that's lovely. Um, And so (laughs) it then became a question of, okay, when is it going to get released? And normal sort of mainstream publisher uh, sort of, you know, moving at the speed of icebergs. um, They said, well, we usually take, you know, between, you know, 15 and 18 months to get a book from live. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's, you know, that won't do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I said, what if I wanted to publish it at, content marketing world oh, next wow. year yeah, in September, at the end of September. And they said, okay, well, it, to do that, we would have to have the book, the manuscript finished by January. Mm. Um, and, wow. and I said, done. I said, that's, that's a done deal. Yeah. So ostensibly I just gave up my weekends yeah. from September through January, the beginning of the early parts of January. Yeah. And cause I can't work on a book um, while I'm doing other things. Right. <clears throat> in other words, I can't work for two hours in the middle of my work day on the book and then come back to regular work and, you know, my consulting or, you know, yeah, doing yeah. stuff for CMI and the, the things that I do as a job. It just doesn't work for me that way. I have to have dedicated like hours of, and I'm, and, and I'm one of those writers who, who I do, I do outline a lot. So I outline the entire book and I put it all up on note cards and I organize the chapters the way I want them. And I mm. sort of draw a through line for a, a larger arc, yeah. um, about what I want the book to start middle and end, you know, as a story. Oh. So I do all that outlining first, and then I put it into like a big abstract where I write a one page abstract for every chapter. Mm-hmm. And so once I've written an abstract for every chapter, then it's literally about taking each of those pages, like each of those, in this case, 12 pages, yeah. and then looking at each page and going, great, now I just got to write 3,000 words on this, <laughs> and I got to write 4,000 words on that, right? Yeah. And so it's, um, and so I'm, that process, I'm definitely not like normal writers <laughs> yeah. and actually go do all the research and then write the book. I'm definitely one of those who, writes four sentences and then goes down the rat hole of research and goes, Ooh, that's fun. Let's, let's explore that, you know? And and so each chapter could take me a day or it can take me two weeks. Wow. So, so it, it, it just really depends. And I'm not organized and scalable. And in fact, I actually talked through this in the book as, as, as one of the real challenges is that if I had to teach this, if I had to actually <laughs> scale this process, it wouldn't work um, for anybody, but it works for me. Um, and so that's my process basically is to just give up my Saturdays and Sundays yeah, yeah. for the book uh, and spend at least four or five hours every Saturday and Sunday for the you know foreseeable you know the 12 yeah, weeks yeah. Yeah. Um, that I did that. Um, aside from the cowboy game, of course, I was going to say you must have. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking it was yeah. during the football season, so you must have. <laughs> there must be some breaks, but I lo- yeah. and, there, oh, no, um, there was definitely breaks taken. Yeah, there was definitely yeah. tequila breaks as well as uh, football <laughs> breaks taken well, during that. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing your process because, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've thought about writing books many times, as you know, and um, 
and I like the way that you sort of sketched it out and then you're writing it chapter by chapter because I've thought about it sometimes as you can think about it as blog post by blog post almost. I do write them sometimes out of order. I will tell you that because I have them outlined so well, I I sometimes will tackle an easier chapter first or something that I'm feeling particularly passionate about or if I went down some research rat hole and found a really cool metaphor or something like that, I'm like, I'm going to write that now while I'm inspired. You know, so I, so for example, the storytelling chapter was one of the very first that I wrote because it's right. one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, what I do is I think about whether I'm going to use Scrivener or some other tool and then spend two hours researching tools for writers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's plain old Microsoft Word. I've never gotten into the whole mindful writing thing into the, you know, into, into that or the 500 I, words a day app or whatever it is. No, yeah, I've, it, it's just open up a Word doc and go. Yes, I think that's probably how you're supposed to write. Just actually write. Stop stop looking at tools. Just get on with the writing. All right. I'm going to get back to the book now. So um, what? So I mentioned earlier on, and um, by the way, I was going to make a reference at the beginning of the beginning of this, that um, for anybody who's confused, I am not Douglas Burdett. This isn't the marketing book podcast and I'm not doing this. <laughs> and I would encourage you to listen to that. And also I hope Robert, that you'll be on that very show. I will be on Douglas's show. I believe I'm Good scheduled day. for um, uh, either end of October or early November. Oh, goody. He's well, a, I... he, he, he is, he did not get a preview copy of the book no. um, or just received his preview copy. Um, and by the way, the reason for all of that is because Kogan Page, the publisher of the book, is a UK-based yes. company and, yeah, yeah. of course, had it much earlier there than it, yeah. they do in the U.S. because, yeah. you know, that's the English for you. Um, and so <laughs> he got his preview copy and he he really studies the book before he has he anybody does. on his show. So that's why it's 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 a little later. Um, so I'm at the end of October, early November. I yeah, think, he's he's great because he, he absolutely he's lovely. He's he a reads, wonderful. He man. definitely reads the books, and and he he has a passion for the books as well, which I love hearing coming through on his podcast. And um, and the and just just so the listener knows, and I know that you and me are friends, Robert, but I did not get a preview copy. I just pre-ordered on Amazon, and I got it before the preview copy. Right? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Anyway, earlier, and so yes, a little a big hat tip. <clears throat> to to the uh the the giant i happen to be standing on the shoulders of which is douglas Badet and his his marketing book podcast but i um, did mention earlier on about managing content marketing which was this is your first book right i i think of it as your first book you wrote it with robert and joe polizzi in 2011 and it's always been not very far from my desk when i when i want to talk about content marketing it's really good what's changed uh, since you wrote that book in the last 10 years. I mean, well, maybe, so, maybe I mean, so possible. much, I mean, that's so much <laughs> yeah. that I don't even need to, 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 to really cover it all. Um, because everybody's sort of the self-evident, you know, yeah. stuff that has changed, but specifically, and I think what you're getting at is, is what has changed about the practice, yes. the, you know, in, yeah. in, in particular. And I, and I think there, the key is one of the first things we had to do um, as content marketing became a thing, mm-hmm. um, in you know, and people started recognizing it as an approach for serving a marketing function, is we, you know, and there, there's again, this is not meant to say that it was wrong or it was it was natural. It was the way things were going to evolve. Is that businesses looked at it as a specialized activity, yeah. 
Yeah. And and what I mean by that is is that it was seen as something that was separate and distinct from other marketing efforts. Mm. So it was either a service to the business. In other words, you hired your editorialists, as it were, you know, and that those could be brand journalists, it could be content marketers, it could be subject matter experts, it could be leveraging your subject matter experts into a project management team that would pull that information from people and do thought leadership or whatever it was. It was seen as a specialized activity that sort of got done off in a corner somewhere, right? And so as it was done off in a corner somewhere, it was usually for most businesses, you know, it was about publishing a blog, making a podcast, creating a resource center, mm. maybe, you know, being really out there and creating a digital magazine or <laughs> an email newsletter or yeah. something, right? It was about creating yeah. something. And and yeah. in addition to creating something, it was also about feeding the rest of the organization assets, right? So feeding the these thought leadership or entertainment or, you know, episodic pieces of content to sales enablement, whatever it is, as bait, right, for the regular marketing. And what happened then was some of it worked, some of it didn't. Some of these unconscious companies started to emerge um, and people started going, yes, see, they're doing it too. Yes. Therefore, we should do more of this. And it started to grow in popularity. It started to grow in uh, arguably effectiveness. Mm. And then it hit a wall, right? And then it hit a wall. And, and, and for every business, it just about hit a wall, which was, we can't scale this. right? In other words, that small team in the corner went from two to four to six to 10. And then all of a sudden people went, it's still not keeping up and we can't make this team 20. We can't make this team 40. And even if it was 40, it wouldn't keep up. And so what started to happen was that everybody else started to create content too. Mm -hmm. So sales created content. The web team started creating content. Brand team, everybody in the business, right? It was you know content for everybody. And the remit of content marketing changed, which was it became a thing that it wasn't about the team being good at content. The strategy became, how do we make the business good at mm. content? And so it was much more of a, do we set guidelines? We build playbooks, we build um, you know, standards, and we build and content strategy, you know, remove the marketing for a moment, basically just how do we create a structured process around all this content we're creating? How do we do that? Mm. Became the real focus. Now, here we are in 2023, and the real difference is, is that those two ideas have once again converged, but now it's really about marketing full stop. In other yeah. words, the question now for most businesses is, isn't how do we build a content marketing team? It's how do we build a content marketing function with the team we have? And so how do we create a structured, organized process around classic marketing skills from product marketing to sales enablement to PR to comms to all those things and create those as roles, as responsibilities of our classic marketing team because that's the only way we can scale this thing and create it in a way so that it's structured and standardized across the entire business and do so in a way that affects our business strategy. In other words, it's not marketing like a media company. It's it's becoming a right. media company. And right. that is where I sort of, that's the sort of backbone or sort yeah. of, you know, nefarious undertone, if you will, of the book is that 
content marketing is modern marketing. Modern, you know, modern marketing is what we think of as as content marketing these days, kind of full stop. Yeah. And if you just see it that way, then it's then it's almost it's it it becomes a true business strategy, not just this tactical thing that we do off in the corner. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a really interesting thread to pull on. Actually, there isn't it? Is is where yours is where we're moving to a point where. I mean, I, I've always talked about content publishing being everybody's second business, but you're, but we've and we've always talked about content marketing as a discipline within marketing. But you're now saying that it is marketing, but it's also not just marketing. It is, you know, front and center of some of something that needs to run throughout the organization, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because it, the the mistake that most companies make. And this is the commonality, right? Yeah. Where you look at the conscious and the unconscious content marketers out there. Yeah. So if you look at Amazon's a great example of this, right? Where Mm -hmm. what did they do, right? What did they, you know, because if you look at it at surface level, you go, yeah, that's cool. That's a content market. It's kind of content marketing, right? Mm -hmm. They created, you know, they spend here and here's the math, right? They spend 15 billion or more on content every year filmed, you know, they're winning Emmy awards now and Oscars and all sorts of things, right? Amazon is now truly a media company. Yeah. And so they're through their, and it's through prime, prime media. The revenue that they make from prime media is eh, somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, they don't, I don't think they disclose it specifically, but if you just do the math and the number of subscribers multiplied by the subscription price, it's probably a couple of billion dollars. That math just doesn't work as a standalone business, right? You just, yeah, yeah. you can't make it work. Yeah. So you have to ask yourself, you say, well, wh- why does it, why do they do it, right? There's not a stupid company. Well, the reason they do it is pretty simple because what they've noticed is that prime video subscribers spend two to three times the normal spend on products and services at Amazon as does a normal customer. Wow. So it's a multiplier for value. Yeah, yeah. So that so it is by an inherently a marketing effort. Yes. Now th- they probably would just say, look, we needed a way to create a direct relationship with our prime subscribers that goes beyond simply just subscribing to free shipping. Mm-hmm. We need the data about what people care about. We want the information for those people. We want the value that those subscribers bring from being able to reach them frequently. In other words, we want the ability to reach that audience whenever we want to reach them with mm-hmm. specials and with things and all those kinds of things because that was is what will inspire them to spend more. And so for us, that's a business, it's a business calculus, right? And we say, great, that's a business calculus. And they just recognized inherently that operating as a media company would help them provide that wealth to the business. Yeah. Well, notch that down like 1700 levels to a normal size company. Yeah. And you go, that's the secret. Yeah. It's not just marketing like a media company or activating content like a media company would, you know, selling something like a film or a TV show or yeah. something like that. They have the same problems that we all do, right? Media companies from a marketing perspective, they got the same problem in marketing their products we all do. How do you pierce the noise? It's a mm-hmm. noisy marketplace, blah blah blah, all that stuff. But what they have a difference is is how they operate. Mm-hmm. How they actually treat content in their business as a reusable, repackageable asset that builds audiences, that adds wealth to the business in multiple ways, yeah. advertising, subscriptions, 
insight, data, all the kinds of ways that an audience adds value to a business. And they understand that. Yeah. And that's the real difference that I see in the conscious and unconscious content marketers making is they treat audiences like an asset mm-hmm. and it is adds wealth to the business. But the way to get an audience as an asset is to operate like a media company, which means changing your workflow, changing your technology infrastructure, changing your standards and guidelines, and, and honestly, changing the remit of marketing full stop. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. And that really comes through in, in the, in the book, which is, which is why it's so much about strategy, right? Is, is that's, that's what you're trying to convey is that we, we need to change our organizations to fit that model. And as for making that parallel that Amazon Prime is just a content marketing strategy to sell you more stuff. That's just genius. I love that. So, um, so you mentioned earlier about strategy and, um, also what the definition of strategy. So what's your definition of strategy in this context? Because it's a word that's banded around a lot for a lot of things, right? We have yeah, well, this strategies. is where I borrow heavily and I stand on the shoulders of giants, right? Yeah. Because in the beginning of the book, I actually define so that we have a common definition because mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most important yeah. things uh, of setting a strategy is to have common definitions of things, right? Yeah. It's one of the first things that I'll do with a client Yeah, is to say, we have to get clear and common about the way that we define things because without that, we're talking past one another. Mm-hmm. And so, the the so I, I lean heavily on content as a definition, marketing as a definition, and there I lean very heavily on my marketing hero Philip Kotler for that. Yeah, and then for strategy, I actually lean heavily on Michael Porter, who yeah. wrote a whole thesis on this. Yeah. Uh, on what is strategy. And, and and that's where I lean in on what he says strategy is, which is how do you fit together activities that different, that create competitive advantage? And what he's meant by that was, yeah. of course, the activities in your business will be, some of them will be the same as in other businesses. We'll both do finance. We'll both do legal. We'll both do marketing. We'll both do Activity and they're just you know activities meaning things people do the way yeah. people do things yeah and so the key is to either do different activities than your competitors or do the same activities in a different way yeah and ultimately that's what competitive strategy is all about so if you then throw and I won't go to the time now of defining content or marketing in yeah. that perspective but if Buy you say book. content <laughs> marketing strategy yeah right. Um, and I put the pause in there specifically, content marketing strategy. Yes. You say, okay, what are the activities that make up, that fit together, that are either different mm-hmm. or that are done in a different way that a business can do to create competitive advantage? And so then I, from that, you can derive a definition, which I put into the book, which is basically a content marketing strategy is the sum of all of the activities, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's how I define strategy in this format. Yeah, and I, what, I, what I really got from the book, particularly the bit in the beginning, is where you're talking about that piece, the strategy piece, how we go about changing our organizations and how we go about um, operationalizing our content marketing is actually a differentiation. It's not the content. And I thought that, that was really inspiring in the fact you're saying that, well, the content, anybody can create the content. It's how you do it. So... Tell us about that. That was what sort of epiphany? Where did you get that epiphany from? That was amazing. Yeah, it's the well, it's the it's it's this 
it basically is ultimately the same as that your product will never differentiate you. It's yeah. how you communicate about your product yeah, that yeah, will yeah. differentiate you, right? Yeah. And so ultimately, you know, <laughs> that's where people want to focus, right? I mean, we even talked yeah. a little bit about this in our pre-show chat, right? Where yeah. people want to focus is on the words, the pictures, the, yeah. you know, the sort of experiences, right? And yeah. how that differentiates a particular brand. And in fact, it's the topic of most, you know, honestly, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons that I wrote the book is because so many of the other books mm. focus in on that, right? They focus yeah. in on what it is you create as being a differentiator. And of course, that's the, <laughs> that's the most, honestly, the most useless advice for most people. <laughs> yeah. Because you can, I can go up and, and give a, an entire presentation on how the value of the content that Cleveland Clinic provides, how mm -hmm. the they hired this amazing subject matter expert in the topic of diabetes, and they wrote some of the best mm -hmm. content on diabetes that exists on the internet, and that's what differentiates them. And it's not what yeah. differentiates them. Yeah. Because honestly, it, you know, if I tell you that, you go, okay, that's nice for them. They, they were able to do that. I can't do that, right? Yeah. I and I'm not going to do that. Or even if I do do that, I, I'm only going to be differentiated for the day until somebody copies me, right? Yeah. That's the hope. That's the yeah. best you can hope for is that your content on any given day is so differentiated that everybody copies you. And yeah. so ultimately it is a fleeting differentiation, the words, the pictures, the experiences you create, yeah. because at very best you go viral and then ultimately everybody copies you and you become part of the noise again. Yeah, yeah. So how do you create long lasting differentiation? Yeah. And the only way that you can even attempt it is to do things in a different way, yeah. to operate in a different way, to communicate in a different way. And so that's ultimately where differentiation lies is not in what you, and this is especially true in today's world of AI and automation yeah, and, and yeah. content that can be copied that. so readily yeah. and easily yeah. is that it's not in what you say, it's in how you say it. Yeah. And, 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 and the origins of by what you say it. So yeah. how do you speak consistently? How do you speak in a, you know, how do you consistently speak in a differentiated way? Well, it's about creating the infrastructure and the ability for you to do that and having the right activities to be able to do that. So that's the thing that we can build Yeah, because you can't build on, you know, I mean, if you, I mean, I know you feel this way, you go to a conference and you see Nike is amazing. Look at their amazing commercial that they created. Look at this amazing creative. Look at this. That's what you need to do, yeah. marketer, right? You need to create the next Colin Kaepernick commercial. You need yeah. to create the next kid running down the middle of the street, you know, or you need to create the next iPhone. It's like, yeah. okay, thanks. That's <laughs> not helpful at all, you know? Yeah. I like, so, what I like about this idea, sorry to interrupt you, mate, but I like the fact this sort of shifts the creativity back into the back office right is that you need it's the yes you need to be creative in your content but you need to you, you need to be inspired and creative in this in your strategy and bold in your strategy right before you even know what the idea is the fact that you're going to be bold about how you go about doing it is that is that it no that's exactly right yeah. i mean it's funny because i i you know i talk about a lot there's a famous um there's a famous uh video yeah. uh, of Steve Jobs. Yeah. Sort of deriding the value of process focused people. Yes. 
you know, and basically saying that, yeah, you can, and, and it's, and it's, and it's all, and, and he, he's taking HP to task at the time, yeah, Hewlett yeah. Packard um, yeah. uh, to task at the time and the process oriented people. Yeah. And he said, you know, if you've got process oriented people, they're all about process and they can't, they can't innovate. They can't differentiate. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what he wants is all, he wants a bunch of creative chaos, right? He wants yeah. creative people in the room who are going to, you know, yeah. as he, he uses the example, he said, you know, they're going to build me a mouse in five days. Um, instead of the process, which normally takes, you know, five months. Right. Yeah. And so, but where, where I want to take him to task on that is, is, is to say that assumes that creating process and standards are not a creative process. And I hundred mm-hmm. percent believe that it is. In other words, yeah. you can innovate process. You can innovate, you know, the, the, the project management piece of this, you can innovate on standards yeah. and it is in fact only by having a standard that you can actually innovate against it. Yeah. In other words, uh, it goes back to Taiki Ono, who, who of course came out with the, the, the most, you know, the, 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 the well, rational and all sorts yeah. of different workflows yeah. that came out of that. But he said, you know, with no standard, there can be no improvement. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, you, you can't innovate where a standard doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is really interesting. And I, what I've done there is I've taken down a rat hole away from the book a little bit. And this is a really good conversation. No, no, it's fun. And yeah, I wanted, yeah. and I know you've got a hard stop. So we need to wrap this up in a few minutes. And I wanted to do my best Douglas Burdett and refer to a page number. And I was going to ask you about why, why you talk about why on page 126. And, but I can't do that now because we've run out of time. So, um, finally, in in um in the in my finest Douglas Burdett, what are the top things you'd like to see people to take from this book? You know, I'm hopeful that it is confidence building. Um, yeah. You know, I open with I open with a quote that my grandfather used to say to me. So the whole book yes. opens with uh, something he used to chide me with, which is when you create experiences for people. Um, you not only get to experience the thing that you created, but you get to experience the impact that you have on the people that you created for. So yeah. his question to me was always, you know, what experience have you created? Today? Yeah. And so what I really hope is that what people can take away is look, you know, the, the models, the frameworks, the examples, the approaches that I describe in the, you know, 200 and almost 300 pages of, yes. of book. Yes. Some of them are going to be right for people. Some of them are going to be wrong. All of them, I hope, can be, you know, in, to, mm-hmm. to quote, maybe paraphrase is the better word, George Box, you know, all of them are wrong. Hopefully some of them are useful. And, <laughs> and so it's a pressure test more than anything else to say, yeah. ah, here's a different way of looking at this activity yeah. that might help me make something my own. And I actually do say this explicitly in the book, which is to say, make these models your own. There's no proprietariness about these things. I don't care if you use the same language. I don't care if it's, if it's, you know, I've seen so many people make modifications to these things that have been better um, than, you know, than I could have ever imagined. And so that's what I really hope is people Uh take out of it is that it's a seed of something that they can grow on their own. I love that. That's so, that's so generous. I, I love that. And, um, what, and again, uh, mimicking my, uh, Douglas, but what are you reading at the moment or what are you looking forward to reading? What authors are you watching at the moment? 
I'm in the middle right now of a book called Principles by mm-hmm. Ray Dalio. Yeah. Um, uh, Ray Dalio, of course, the famous investor, uh, investor philosopher, I guess you'd call him more than anything else. And uh, it's a really, it's a, it's a book about investing kind of, it's more a book about managing your life and managing, you know, yeah. your, your business um, called Principles. And it's, it's a newish book that I'm right. in the middle of right now and, yeah. and enjoying very much. I'll, I'll, I'll look out for that. I'm, you know that I'm thirsty for new books. I'm always up for new books. So that's fantastic. And uh, when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you, Robert? <laughs> well, the thing I'm really uh, pleased as punch about is that we've now launched um, uh, a website to accompany the book, nice. which now also accompanies my new, uh, my new offering of coaching yes. uh, for practitioners. We've been doing consulting for businesses forever and continue yeah. to do that, by the way, continue yeah. to do enterprise-level consulting. But I'm also offering up executive and practitioner-level coaching as well. And you can find that at contentmarketingstrategy.com. Uh, which I paid a pretty penny for, by the way. That <laughs> um, so I'll, uh, so there's that. But it also has the, the, the throughout the book, as you've no doubt noticed, there are um, there are you know call outs to that website yeah. saying, hey, if you want a yeah. deeper level dive into this, or if you want a framework on that, there are a template for that. You know, Love it's got that. extra assets for the book yeah. that accompany the book, um, but it, then it's also got access to. Uh, coaching uh, and an online booking system and all that kind of stuff as well. That's where you can find me or you can find me on our classic consulting website, which of course is contentadvisory.net. Yes, fantastic. So that'll be contentmarketingstrategy.com. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. And are we going to get back to business as usual next week? And will you be in the bar? It sounds like we are. Yeah, indeed. We get back to some drinking here. Yeah, for sure. I look forward to it. And maybe then I can dip into the book and then ask you some of the questions I meant to ask you today. There we go. <laughs> All right, mate. I'll try not to talk so long as well. Oh, man, know. it's a joy. It's a joy. Thank you very much for sharing your book on the show. And um, I'll speak to you next week. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Robert, I really enjoyed that conversation, but I don't think Douglas and the Marketing Book Podcast have anything to worry about there. So that's a wrap on episode 185 of the Rockstar CMO FIG Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Trescott. Thank you to Robert for sharing his book and the process, and to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track, and driving along with us. You can find all of our links and the links to Robert's work and his book in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com along with our blog, newsletter and all of our previous episodes. And please let us know what you think via the socials. Drop us a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, we'll be back to our usual schedule with Jeff in the marketing studio and Robert back in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. And I hope you'll again join us here for that next week on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.